Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. None of them has ever been nominated before. Some of them are making their first appearances on the screen. And all of them are superb actresses. The nominees for best performance by an actress are Carrie Snodgrass in Diary of a Mad Housewife, Glenda Jackson in Women in Love, Sarah Miles in Ryan's Daughter, Ally McGraw in Love Story, Jane Alexander in The Great White Hope. The envelope, please. The winner is Glenda Jackson in Women in Love. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1971 Ceremony Year win for Glenda Jackson for Women in Love. Uh, this was her first of two Oscars uh, for the 1971 Ceremony Year. Uh, Best Actor went to George C. George C. Scott for Patton, an award that he felt that he did not deserve, and he felt that he did not uh, deserve a nomination with his fellow nominees that year, which is, I don't know, kind of gross for me, but, you know, do you, girl. Uh, Best Supporting Actor went to John Mills for Ryan's Daughter, we will talk about that. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress went to Helen Hayes for Airport. Best Director went to Franklin J. Schaffner for Patton. And Best Picture went to Patton. Uh, today, I am joined by a guest that we've had on the podcast before. He is a friend. He's a stand-up comedian. His comedy album, Born This Weight, went to number one on iTunes. And he's also just a lovely human being. It's Brian Hat. Hey, Brian. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I am so good. Thank you so much for doing this podcast again. Uh, I always like to ask whenever people come on to the show um maybe like why they picked a certain year so like why glenda jackson women in love uh, well i mean first uh first and foremost you've covered many many a great year so <laughs> it's <was> like <laughs> i just kept dialing it back until i saw something interesting uh, and glenda jackson was a name i didn't recognize uh, from actually watching you know i knew she was a great theater actress and all this but i hadn't uh, actually seen any of her work and she has a, a very famous story about an audition so i was like let's go with her plus the 70s i rarely visit the quote-unquote classics mm. uh, and i'm always bugging myself to do so so i thought let's do it let's go let's go old school here i mean i always talk about in this podcast a bunch i don't care for 1970s movies but i will say that this podcast has turned me on to a lot that i actually do enjoy <laughs> that i maybe wouldn't have found unless i had done this podcast 100%. um but in general the 1970s is maybe not my favorite genre <laughs> but i have we, yeah. we have found a couple of gens like have, have you ever yeah. seen like they shoot horses don't they with jane fonda no no i have not that one's really good really directed good, by hey? sydney pollock Okay. Very interesting oh. film. Sure? Um I recommend it. Uh, yeah, some of these definitely take place in a bit of a time capsule. These yes. <laughs> these ones we're going to explore today. Yes. Where it's like that's the most seventies shoot I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's definitely yeah. a turning point in like the way that they made films mm -hmm. um, from like the sixties to the seventies, which we can jump into. But. Um, you know, I always say whenever I do this podcast, like that, I never watched this in any particular order. Uh, this was just kind of the order that Google told me to do them in. So let's just jump right in, and let's talk about our first nominee, uh, Carrie Snodgrass in Diary of a Mad Housewife. So very quickly, this movie is about a housewife with an abusive husband um, has an affair with a writer. Uh, the writer is played by Franklin Gella, whose name is George, and the husband is Richard Benjamin Jonathan 
who has actually top billing in this movie, which is just so fucking typical of the 60s because <laughs> the entire movie is just Carrie or yes. Tina in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Uh, Isn't that sort of the point, though? When yeah, it's 100 percent the misogyny. Um, so I had no idea what this movie was about. I go in blindly with all of these films, mm-hmm. and the movie literally opens on her husband Jonathan just reading her to filth, yeah. just literally nagging her about absolutely everything. Who at first I suspected was like Mister Bean. Yeah, he looks like a straight Mr. Bean, 100%. I yeah, thought yeah. it was Mr. Bean, and I was like, hmm. And he literally goes on for, like, 30 minutes. Like, he does not come up for air. Like, he is just roasting her to death. Um, and he is sort of like the Miranda Priestley, and Carrie Snodgrass is like the Anne Hathaway, if you will. <laughs> and it's like... I don't know why I'm like, I feel like this male character is supposed to be like relatable to men during this time. And then I realize, oh, it's a comedy. Yes, yes. So it takes a minute to understand that when it, you're watching the film. It really does. It's because just, It's very antagonistic for one. <laughs> 100%. I found that like tonally, it was like kind of dramatic and then it was kind of comedy. But then it started to become very campy. Yeah. And I was like, what <laughs> yeah, yeah. is this? Uh, I looked it up. It is actually categorized as comedy drama. I don't think that the tonal changes were effective at all. No, no. I didn't find this movie boring. Certainly not. Certainly but this not. movie, I thought, had an identity crisis. I found yeah. it to be very strange. And I also felt that Carrie Snodgrass's um, role, it was demanding... A lot of her, and I don't know if she delivered it all the time. But that being said, though, she did have some nice moments, which we'll touch on. But what did you think about this movie? What did you think about Carrie Snodgrass? Well, uh, much along the same lines as you're saying, and when I say movies are sort of in a time capsule, this is one that if I wanted to pull something out to represent 1970s film, I might (laughs) choose this one. Because it seems, and not to sound misogynistic in my own way, but you can clearly see the influence of the women's liberation on this this film and this sort of the subject of it and the whole sense of that um it's sort of like if i had to retitle this uh movie it would be how to make a karen (laughs) 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 like just the like because within like i I was instantly affected by this movie like you said the 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 opening of it is so like overwhelming and the kids the way the kids talk to the mom and then she goes off to this other guy and he's just equally if not worse than the husband yeah and you're just like i i just had new respect uh, for housewives, lesbians, anybody <laughs> that's just rejected the male species as a whole. I'm just like, every time uh, Jonathan, when he was sick and kept screaming, Tina, teens, Tina, I, I almost punched the television. It was. <laughs> but having said that, that's what I loved so much at the beginning of the movie about it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be some great movie where Carrie Snodgrass here starts as this beautiful, you know, 70s flower and then turns into a murderous witch, I assume. I can only assume that would be the that final would be result. Fair, right? Yeah, yeah fair. exactly. But yes, much like you said, not enough happened for me to be really truly impressed by the role. It's not even so much Snodgrass, although I, I wish there could have been a little more range in there. But yeah, it's just the journey of her character. I just it didn't really get there for me at all, which it limited her own performance. I thought, yeah, because she was sort of. Uh, delightfully, I don't want to say 
uh, insane, but she is, is, there is a madness with a diary of a man. Like she is going a little mad, stuck in this hellish existence that she's chosen for herself. Right. And I think there's so much of uh, fruit there, you know, to, to bear. But it just yeah, again, this might have to do with the way they were making movies, or just uh, just an incomplete, incomplete sort of script. But yeah, I felt the the movie was kind of limiting to her, even though she was supposed to be the star of it in, in a weird way. But I kind of felt like almost Jonathan was <laughs> that he Tom had Billing, sort of yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and, and he was just such a force, you know, in the movie that I I, I don't know. Yeah, I just couldn't. But he connect was, with her as much as I wanted to. But he was so one note that yeah. I, I think for me to say that the movie was kind of camp, like he was contributing to like the camp factor <laughs> because I felt like Carrie Snodgrass was kind of the only like real person in the movie yes. because everybody else around her just seemed like one note caricature. All they do is yeah. complain. All they do is gaslight. All they do yeah, is the um, they're negging, which apparently yeah. was like the only way to flirt back then. Yes, yes. Yeah. And she found it charming and you're like, girl, what are you doing? But like, Again, maybe this is like social commentary, like at the time yeah. of like the way that men were and what flirting was and how women handled it. So it's like you have extreme sympathy for her character. But the reason why I thought it was camp was that it was so unrealistic that it felt like camp mm-hmm. because of the fact that like she was the only one that kind of seemed like a real person where again, yeah. like everybody was just very one note. She only, they were just yeah. awful. It's mostly, yeah, yeah. I thought what the husband, Jonathan changed a little bit because she kind of sees that uh, the boyfriend, I, I, excuse me, I can't remember his name. That's Sorry, that's just my heart singing. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was my alarm. She realized that he's not the bad boy or whatever, that he's not going to give her the peace that she was looking for from her boring, you know, uh, kept up life that she has with Jonathan. And then he falls apart a little bit. And I thought for a second there, you could see a little humanity in him. And in a way, she felt sorry for him at the end. And I think was almost charmed by it um which kind of drove me mad at the same time too i was like what are you coming back to right (laughs) i mean i guess probably the most impressive part of the acting was that she did not commit a full-on murder murder, yeah that was like okay let's give her the oscar for that because the (laughs) level of patience was like miraculous it was like what is so then again I go back to the the theme you're like is this a comedy yeah, is this yeah. a drama cuz I can't take this seriously is this is it camp um, and I thought, oh, maybe they're trying to make everybody so awful mm-hmm. because at the time, like the morality of America, because she's having an affair and yeah. she's female. There's a sexual revolution going on at the yeah, time. So or the oh, end of one, anyways. It's okay she's having an affair because everyone around her is just such garbage. Well, Alay is Alay is Alay is Alay is <laughs> you know? one of the best worst lines in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's just screaming that at her. Just like, Jesus, bro. Uh, Sound like an incel right now. Or the way that he, I did like no, the way, yeah. though, that Jonathan was like, Would you like to do a roll in the hay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said it the same way every time. That was kind but of what funny. was the climax for her character? I thought it was just when she walked out on her boyfriend finally, when she stopped taking it. I was just like, that seemed like, eh. <laughs> but did she walk out? Didn't he throw her out because she called him gay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad writer. And... <laughs> no, it just didn't peak for me. You know, I guess there wasn't a big enough journey. There was no, I mean, there was definitely obstacles. Lord knows she had obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, maybe the obstacle was not putting the gun in her mouth or somebody else's. But yeah, the funny didn't really come through. I mean, there was that one moment where she first meets the writer there. Uh, or the second time at the second party, 
And uh, she says, oh, charming fellows, as she walks away. And then they burst laughing. And she gets startled. And I was like, oh, that's the comedy. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> you get to think about moment. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, with these older movies, I'm like, oh, like, I have to really... Th-. And I'm like, okay, so that's the comedic moment. But yeah, yeah. Um, I also... Okay, yeah. So, anyway, the, the husband basically just slowly became, like, the evil stepmother from Cinderella. That, again, I thought was really campy. I thought that was really funny as well. But, again, is it supposed to be? Yes, probably. Or maybe not. Mm-hmm. But it's really not until the husband asks, like, why she isn't being supportive about that party that he wants to throw with yeah. all these people that, like, don't give a crap about him or her. Um, that she really loses it on him because I thought that was interesting because she still has his best interest in mind. Yes, yes. So I'm like, okay, so like clearly there's still like some love there and I just kind of felt like overall in terms of Carrie Snodgrass's performance, I just felt like she was the only like grounded character and she was the only person that like made any sense in this movie and i guess maybe for the time this was just commentary on like the roles women had in the house sexual liberation i don't know dealing with abuse verbal abuse yeah yeah i I don't know they were perceived as versus what they felt yeah internally i guess yeah yeah but a lot yeah a lot of the humor was lost i mean again i kept watching it thinking i don't know if this is just me missing the point or i just don't understand the 70s because i wasn't there like, yeah. maybe this is closer to reality than I realized. Exactly. Or maybe it was hyperbole. Yeah. I honestly can't tell That's you. exactly what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I can't figure no. out, like, what the tone, like, yeah. I can't figure it out. Like, I knew guys were a piece of shit back then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> was it that bad? Yeah, was it that, <laughs> I mean, maybe. I guess. Um, but the thing that I also kind of uh, love-hate was the fact that in the end, the husband thinks that she's the person with the problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's sort of her, yeah, yeah, taking the, the weight for him, you know. Um, Take the weight off his shoulders. And then at the end, she becomes nice to him because she feels guilty, question mark. And then uh, we find out that he was also having an affair. Yeah. And then at the end, when this final scene is the group therapy, and oh, they're yeah. all calling her like a dumb bitch. And oh, she's yeah, yeah. like, oh, my God. Yes. She is just getting it from both ends. Yeah, that was the funniest part of the film, I would say. When they <laughs> cut out and you realize the whole thing was just her talking to group therapy, which I thought was an interesting choice for the time. Yeah. Um, so a couple trivia uh, facts about this movie. Oh, so uh, the Neil Young song, A Man Needs a Maid, was inspired by Carrie Snodgrass's performance in this film. Interestingly, a few months later, the pair met and eventually became lovers. Okay, so he was singing that ironically. <laughs> <laughs> and a Carrie, according to Carrie Snodgrass, actor Richard Benjamin insisted that he and Carrie not have any interaction off screen in order to have their on screen tensions more believable and authentic. Which it worked. It Hell that was effective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. He was good, I have to say. Um, Too he, good, I would say. Yeah, like, he, but it was, it, his performance was camp, oh, and, and her seemed more be. dramatic. Of course, yeah. I mean, she's the one actually going on the journey, not these other people. Yeah. yeah. But, but she just ended up right where she started, and then it didn't... I guess it's supposed to be the comedy, too. Yeah. <laughs> There's a deep irony of that. It's also, like, I felt like the mad housewife by the end of it, you yeah. know, because I was so upset by this, and... It was just an upsetting film. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing really funny. But somehow, not the most upsetting film of the list. <laughs> also, I wasn't bored. No, I uh, by far, um, I, I liked it because it did. It did have that '70s feel. Like we're not gonna do things the same way anymore. Yeah. We're gonna, we're just gonna say what we want. The hell with the rules, you know. Everybody's fucking everybody, and what does it matter? It's all these deep thoughts and conversations and. Everything, yeah, it's in that sense, it put me in the 70s. Like, I felt that sort of angst that they had where they're stuck between, you know, that sort of 
you know, that proper 40s, 50s mentality that they grew up with from their parents and then also trying to navigate through a sexual revolution and what's that mean? And mm-hmm. and that how, how does that affect men, straight men who are feeling their their roles being um, taken, taken away, away from them or what have yeah. They're being threatened as well, whether people seem to recognize it or not. Um, but yeah, the, the self-reflection too, I guess that... That's what the movie's about, is just like maybe take a moment to see how the other half lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it may not be as as great as you think it is. Yeah. I think that, you know, some of her best scenes were with Frank Langella, George, the writer, mm-hmm. just right. because, um, you know, he is kind of like very similar to Jonathan. And then she is acting insecure and she wants to be desired. And she has really nice moments and scenes mm-hmm. um, with George uh, in those moments. I think maybe she starts to begin to realize that she clearly has a type and she clearly is going for really piece of shit guys. Yeah. And that kind of journey I thought was, uh, was interesting, but overall I thought that, um, there weren't enough big moments for me from her to really be like, wow, by this particular performance. And sometimes when you watch a movie where they don't have those big moments, it's a lot of like little moments that like lead up to this, overall like oh okay, journey yeah. Yeah, yeah and that just never happened never really we just ended up right back to where and i i realized maybe that was the point yes, i just don't yeah, think yeah. it was very effective and i think that like tonally i was just like really confused mm-hmm. overall would i say don't watch this movie actually no because no, it's no. kind of you hilarious to see it. i think everybody should watch it in a way because yeah. it's it's the, you just don't see films like that anymore. No. It's, it is such a particular moment in time. Yeah. It does have something important to say. Like, there is a legitimate angle it's going for there. And again, like, I had a somewhat new perspective on men and myself just by witnessing this. And it immediately makes you self-reflective. I'm just like, is this what I'm like? Is this what, <laughs> is this, have I done this to people? Oh, my God, yeah. I never wanted to get married. That's for sure. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Carrie Snoggers' performance before we move on? I don't think so, no. Okay. Good effort, though. Uh, Good, great effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, And honestly, I think the movie is camp, and I think it's funny. Watch it. Just just watch it. Just watch (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk about Ali McGraw in Love Story. So very quickly, the plot, a boy and a girl from different backgrounds fall in love regardless of their upbringing and tragedy strikes, a.k.a. Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Um, This is a format that we're very familiar with. What I enjoy is off the top, Ryan O'Neill, who plays Oliver, the the Romeo, if you will. uh, He basically says right off the top that she's going to (laughs) die. So you're like, okay. Yeah. And I appreciated that because it's uh, it, this isn't like a groundbreaking story structure. I mean, Titanic yeah, is the back same then, part. maybe. Yeah, yeah getting at the maybe, end. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, I have to say that uh, a fun, interesting fact about this movie is that this was the in 1972, Love Story was the most viewed film on television of all time. Oh wow! So this was a very popular movie at the time. Yeah. Um, but it's like that type of format that always works, right? Yeah, to be fair, it is a, a, a time-tested uh, story. Yeah, yeah. and um, with Ali McGraw in the movie being the Juliet, if you will, um, her name is Jenny, um, you know, she's kind of one of those, like, uh, she's... she's uh, she is a feminist character because she doesn't. She's very. She's very smart. Yeah. Um. But like, if Ryan O'Neill would say something like, "Oh, like you know, you're not very pretty," she would kind of turn around and say something like, "Oof, that really says something about your taste." Then that you yeah. would be attracted to me. She yeah. would just have these like really smart sort well, of the like opening conversation they have. She's like, um, 
I would never uh, ask you to coffee. That's why you're so dumb. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I would never have a coffee with you. I'd never ask. That's why you're so dumb. Like, it was a cute little exchange. Yeah. yeah. And then, boom. They have the banter. We're right into it. Yeah, I literally had to look back to see if I skipped the opening. No. And I was like, I think I accidentally started 10 minutes into this movie. No. no it's just the love story happens three minutes in. I love it. And also, yeah. uh, Ryan O'Neill is Tatum O'Neill's father. And I don't know why uh-huh. I have like a weird OCD of Tatum O'Neill winning the Oscar over Linda Blair for The Exorcist. And they're like, Tatum O'Neill for paper moon and it's like this thing that's been stuck in my head for a decade i don't know why okay it's a thing in my brain and uh it's just interesting to see ryan o'neill very sexy in this movie good looking guy yeah. very good looking guy um and i really love the sort of relationship that they had you know he's like the jock the misunderstood jock yeah, yeah. that's super rich <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. biggest uh he drives corella deville's car around uh, yes boston and that uh, one threw me for a loop too yeah. <laughs> every time you hop in the car i'm like what year is this again yeah what is this supposed to be but they also were driving that car too uh in the great white hope which we'll get into that but oh, um geez, it's a very popular it. car this yeah. year it's like a model t with the highest selling car um but it's just uh she's really witty in the movie she's very educated and it's just a really uh, refreshing sense of feminism they called it verbal volleyball the way that they always had their back and forth um i liked that it wasn't like um gross back and forth that you see like in a lot of tv shows and movies it seemed very natural yeah yeah the preppies maybe got a little overboard but yeah tommy lee jones (laughs) oh my god i was so disappointed he wasn't in there more because it amused me that he was supposed to be what a 20 something (laughs) law student and he still looks 45 years old unbelievable i know he's the oldest young man i've ever seen he was actually 14 in this movie (laughs) and a creep (laughs) and he didn't he have maybe three lines i'm still creeped out by him oh um I love, uh, you know, do you want to marry me? Why? Because that's a good reason. Like a lot of nice little cute comedic moments. Um, I, I thought they had really wonderful chemistry together. Uh, however, my biggest criticism of this movie is that all of the big moments that Ali McGraw would have had an opportunity to sh- really demonstrate how good she is at acting. Like, for example, when she gets a terminal um diagnosis she doesn't get it ryan o'neill gets it and we only see his journey through that not her and then when she dies we're not even there for it we're in it before she dies but then we see the father and ryan o'neill's reaction to it and i felt like all the big moments were kind of taken from ryan o'neill and i feel like she probably had a solid shot at winning this Oscar if she had those moments because yeah, yeah. this movie was clearly very beloved. But it just kind of kills me that all of those moments got taken away from her mm-hmm. and you never got to see her big moments because, if I'm being honest with you, I found this performance a little one-note. Yes. No, that's a great observation, Drew. Yeah, I found it a little odd that that he, the doctor, would not tell her first. Confidential. Terminal right? disease, yeah. You know, because the women type are too dainty for this sort of, <laughs> really. Uh, and then that, you know, uh, what's it, uh, Ollie there puts off telling her until she finds out for herself and then she just takes it. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we're going to die then, aren't we? Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Yeah, that was a little frustrating. And then, yeah, all, as much as I did enjoy the deathbed scene, like I did honestly connect with them on that. I thought it was a very sweet moment. I even teared up a little bit, but you're like you said, really? there was a lot of moments missing on that. Like you said, because they caught away, it suddenly didn't become about them anymore. It became about him, which I found 
interesting. And even in that last moment where he sees his dad in the hospital and she's dead, uh, there was their great conflict was that she insisted that he repair that bomb with the father, and he, you know, basically said no. And then they have this big fight, and then they immediately get over it. Like he was, like they said, they did sort of skip over a lot of juicy moments. I know? felt like they didn't give enough of a shit about her. It was literally to the point where when she was like dead in the hospital, you would think that like the janitor was sleeping up her corpse and just like throwing her into the, the garbage can in the background. Like they just. It, like she cared more about the fact that she couldn't remember um, the, classical music. What number of this composer? Then she yeah. actually was of the fact that she was dying. <laughs> so that I also thought was really confusing, and it's just the whole thing was just all about Ryan O'Neill and this Oliver character, and it was just building him up and his journey and his experience. But it's like she's the one that's dying. Like why can't we have these? Like I don't need a terms of endearment, like you know, no. <laughs> Deborah Winger, Shirley MacLaine moment. But I think that it's warranted in this movie when she could she at least get her own terminal diagnosis yeah. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah, doctor yeah, yeah. why is he getting it um there was there was too much of him and not yeah, enough yeah, of her yeah. no it was sort of a victim of its own um circumstance you know i'm like uh, here you are trying to make a, a story about this strong woman mm-hmm. <laughs> with an uptight guy yeah and then when the moment comes yeah you pull the camera away and put it on him because yeah what i guess maybe america's still not ready for a female lead <laughs> you know what i mean ah but yeah, it was kind of tragic. Yeah, I mean, they did give her a little chance for her Oscar moment on the deathbed, there, which I get could easily go way worse. You yeah, know, with the other, hey, I'm dying. You know, she didn't really. It kept it somewhat light, you know, and and the two of them again, their chemistry was good, so I I did feel that connection. But yeah, it just it did. It was a little. Yeah, it failed her. It failed her a because little bit. she yeah, that's the way could have been a contender for this Oscar. Absolutely, to she was win. very natural in her performance. But I never she, saw her working very hard. Yeah, right. Which is great because that's like all great comics, all great actors. You never see the work. You know, it should look effortless in a sense. Right. Like, if you see them working at it, trying at it, then you're sort of seeing how the sausage is made, which <laughs> is not the point. You're not supposed to be thinking about that. You're just supposed to be seeing the final result. That's know? so true. Yeah, I and see you're it. so right. Don't I mean, show your work, unlike math, Peach, bad math. Teachers always say acting is about not showing your work. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's so that is, that's so true. I think that the, this script really failed her. It failed her, yeah. And because uh. I, and I was sad because I'd never really seen her in anything before. I was very much falling for her and her character, and yet she kind of got robbed a little bit. She did. Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, Eric Siegel, who I suppose wrote the story, uh, based Ryan O'Neill's character on Tommy Lee Jones, uh, who was his roommate. Um, because Tommy Lee Jones was actually a Harvard graduate, and uh, also he was remains with future president, vice president Al Gore. That explains his attitude. <laughs> yeah, the movie's line "Love means never having to say you're sorry" was voted as the number thirteen greatest movie quotes of all time. I think that is the number one uh, abusive yeah, quote yeah, of the all most toxic time. love advice I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, it was the production of this movie that led to Harvard University to prohibit almost all commercial filming on their campus, reportedly because of disruptions of students and damage to the campus, including fake snow killing snow killing several trees. Oh, fake snow killing several trees, sorry. Uh, the production was kicked off of campus after only a week of filming, and most subsequent movies set at Harvard University filmed at other nearby schools. And now I wonder, what about Legally Blonde? Where oh, was yeah, that sure. one? Where was that one? A lot of use U of T, you know. It's <laughs> got the old campus. It looks nice. Um, I think, though, that, like, her uh, nicest moments is whenever she was trying to desperately get Ollie 
and her father to have a relationship. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's all about him and yeah. building him up. And it really wasn't about her, <laughs> um, which is frustrating when you have that kind of Romeo and Juliet structure, because it really is supposed to be like a 50, 50 situation, yes, absolutely. which it wasn't in this case. But I think that that was definitely her best scenes. I loved her witty comebacks. Um, she was uh, probably for the time a feminist, uh, a very enjoyable feminist character because like she's smart um, and yeah, very witty and um, she's also poor. So that makes her likable. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it's tragic that like she died, but it would have been more tragic if we would have gotten to know her better. Yeah. That was uh, again, much like the early romance. I think this happened too quickly. Like they didn't let certain moments breathe. And I thought, I played out other moments too much. Like they played out the love story a little too much and not the conflicts. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like the love came so quick and you're like, okay, all right. Then you're trying to get to the other stuff. I'll excuse that. But then like how they got to that argument in the kitchen, I was just like, everything was going so smoothly <laughs> that all of a sudden. I know. Tickets to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Tickets go to for Paris. it. Yeah. You're I, dying. Yeah. What does it go for it? I don't know. Yeah. They just kind of kept jumping a little bit through this relationship too much i thought they got rich again at one point they yes. weren't rich and then suddenly they were rich and i was yeah. like when did but this it happen? didn't even really affect the story at all no. that much except that it's i suppose to add to the irony i guess that he got everything he wanted and now he's losing it i love though that the entire time when they were poor they held on to the cruella de vil car <laughs> well i mean you gotta get around you know i want to drive have cars can you crank i want to drive comedians to like a road gig in like Englehart, ontario and like the cruella it's just like oh, beep beep boy. like get in can you roll the window up no i can't no the yeah they never pulled up the top <laughs> no. in any weather no i can't think of that the windshield was so small too I'm i like know. it's gotta be freezing <laughs> you poor bastard oh man okay mm-hmm. um Honestly, though, okay, but same same sort of thing, like, with uh, the same sort of thing with The Diary of a Mad Housewife. Um, These uh, criticisms that we have, I think, are very valid. However, I still really like this movie. So anybody hasn't seen it, like, go... If you like a good love story, you know, it's got that. Yeah. Because I, I had seen snippets of that deathbed scene before. I never really knew what I was watching. It is, it's an epic deathbed scene. Is it? It's probably the reason you don't see many of them anymore. Wow. I mean, I mean, even the way they light it, too. She's lit like an angel. And she's just rubbing. Oh, she, her skin <laughs> was like flawless. I was the like, most beautiful dead person you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. I wanted Morticia Adams. I didn't need. She was like, her skin was glowing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her it, hair was. Get the fuck out of here. Too much. It, yeah. He's weeping. Like, he's just beautiful as yeah. he's acting. And like, she's she's Got this little lambskin joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> they cuddle it. in the bed. It's all very precious. Uh, no, I yeah. yeah. But she never looked sick for a minute. Not a liver spot. Didn't lose a pound. Not no. to the very. <laughs> she was wearing more makeup than RuPaul. Like yeah. it was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, but okay. yeah, great performance. Just limited by your director and your editor. I'd yeah. say absolutely. Okay, uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? No. Hey, best actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. 
This one I'm so excited to talk about. Oh, bitch. Okay, we're going to talk about Sarah Miles in Ryan's Daughter, a.k.a. three and a half fucking hours. (laughs) Yeah, and Um, it needn't be that long either. No, No, but David Lean is just, he loves his fucking epics. So very quickly, uh, this is set in the wake of the 1916 Easter Rising a, a in Ireland, uh, a married woman in a small Irish village has an affair with a troubled British officer. And there are so many things about this movie that are working. The oh, thing yeah. that is not working for me is just the pacing of it. Because yeah. did this story need to be three and a half hours? No. no. There was an overture. There was an intermission. <laughs> intermission. That blew my mind. Fuck out of here with that shit. And, um... Uh, okay, so also John Mills, he won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He plays the, let's say, special needs local. Okay. What's the guy? That who was the guy I that was the father. Oh, okay. I because I, I thought yeah, that my, was very problematic. Very he ties the whole movie together. I mean, the whole Tropic Thunder model. I don't need to say it. We know what it is. But yeah, literally. at least they were smart enough not to give him lines. They made yes. him a, a mute. You know what I mean? Thank God. Hundred because <laughs> the movie basically opens on him catching uh, Sarah Miles's rose, uh, her parasol, and I have to say, watching the movie with an Irish person for like half a sip. At the beginning, because Sarah Miles, she's from, um, she's from, uh, I think North London or oh, North. Okay. She's from, she's from the UK. Yeah, yeah. And so Daniel, when we first started watching this movie, he's like, I don't know what accent that is. And I was like, <laughs> it yeah. got better as the movie went on, yeah. but the beginning of it, I was like, what accent is that's not Irish. A lot of people have struggled with the Irish accent. Yeah, <laughs> Robert Mitchum though, who yeah. played Charles, actually did a very good Irish accent. Very impressed with him. Yeah. And he's American, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he was so good, I started to question myself a little bit. Well, everybody said that um, Trevor Howard, who played Father Collins, should have been nominated and win the Best Supporting Actor, not John Mills. That would have been fine with me. He's also a very important character. And I'm watching it, and I'm just like, ugh. Like, I'm like, this is such a yikes, but also I'm like... (laughs) He's being tortured by the town constantly. I know, and I'm like... laughing. And he is a comic foil in this, for sure. It's not just, like, a character he's being used as to laugh at I know it also is always a red flag whenever you notice that Sarah Miles is fifth billing in a 3.5 hour movie <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, you're yeah. like oh fuck and <clears throat> she does disappear for times yep 100% mm-hmm. um, but uh, <laughs> so at the beginning she professes her love to Robert Mitchum but again, I do have to say that for Sarah Miles, I thought that the acting was very good. I just thought that the accent at first was really bad. Yeah, but yeah. the acting, even when the accent was bad, was still very, very good. Yeah. And um, it was a three and a half hour movie. I think that if I watched it um, not hung over the day after New Year's, <laughs> I would have probably enjoyed yeah. it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But I actually did like this movie. Um, does it need to be 3.5 hours? No. 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 Um, but I liked this movie. It's it's a love story in a very different historical context, which I found yes. very interesting. Because yeah. it follows a lot of the same notes as some of these other stories in that we're watching a woman go through her own sort of sexual revolutions, you mm-hmm. know, that, that she's torn between, you know. Her, her, the things that she feels that she's supposed to do and the things that she wants to do. You know? and, well, so Christopher yeah. Jones, who plays Major Dorian, Don, Dorian, yes, 
they just start fucking. Like well, that's yeah. Again, <laughs> I have so falls, many questions. Yeah, he has PTSD. Yeah. and then I liked the kind of editing, the way that like her hand broke through the flashback of yeah. his PTSD from being in the war. Kind of bring him out of it, yeah. And then immediately they start making out, and then <laughs> yeah. immediately they start fucking in a meadow. Yes, yes. And I was like, okay, this movie is taking forever to get to any point, but the most <laughs> crucial point was this affair. And it was, we didn't waste any time on no, that. No, torrid, torrid. So I thought maybe we could have spent a little bit more time with that. This is where I was asking myself the same question. Is this just, yeah, are you rushing through something? Or is this how love was back then? Mm. Because it was literally so pent up. The second you showed some affection to someone, it's like, all right, we're being married then. Yeah. Off with the knickers. <laughs> and it's just straight to the beach. Uh, even in one of the other movies where I believe it was, um, what's it called, Women in Love, where she just keeps saying, you know, tell me that you love me, tell me you love me. It's almost like she's begging for a green line. It's just right. so I can get <laughs> out of these damn underwear. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I didn't know if that was more of a time thing or uh, a character choice or just what you were allowed to show on television at the time. Yeah. Although just about everybody showed their breasts in this category. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Otherwise, you didn't get nominated. Allie. I think Allie was the one that didn't. Um yeah, so I, yeah, that, it, this, the whole notion of trying to discover yourself through sexuality, that's very, that's a, all these had a very 70s sort of tinge to them. Like the discussion she's having with the father, Hugh, about um, will marriage change me? Will sex change me? He right. just straight up says no. Yeah. And then she has to find out for herself <laughs> that it in fact does not change you. I didn't even Although, think about did she that. even have sex with Robert Mitchum? Uh, like, I like I on, couldn't tell in that scene whether he didn't want to or he couldn't. So I had to look this up online yeah. because I was also confused by that because yeah. this wasn't clear. So yeah, so basically he did not enjoy uh, the ecstasy of the flesh. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. he only had sex with her on um, their wedding night. Oh, and the okay. way that they tried to be like, he won't have sex with her or he's not that interested in sex was whenever he like, wanted to put his shirt back on when he came inside, yeah. even though he was not wearing a shirt when he was outside. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's improper. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's all like heavily implied, but then also... And the flower stuff. But then she, like, you see her tits and like she is like Gorgeous. shamed in public. They like chop off all her hair at the end because yeah, yeah. they think that she's like the spy. Who was the spy? Her what? father. It, Oh, yeah, yes. that's why he's all weepy when he watches her. <laughs> wow, what a yeah, cunt! Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he's. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's his whole character. He's kind wow. of a big okay. I missed loser. that. I I was well, confused by that. Yeah, yeah, no, and it was hard not to um, check out. Lost. Yeah, check out times. movies. Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> they went a long way on some points and very quick on other ones, which I found. Yeah, tough to, yeah, because there'd be long periods. We're like, okay, so we're here, we're here, we're here, what's next? <laughs> and all of a sudden, bang, 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 all of a sudden, everything's changed. And then you stay there for a long time. Yeah. So the growth was, yeah, very kind of uh, stunted at times. I feel like, though, you don't really see a lot of um, real passion from her until Major Dorian comes in. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think that once the town starts to, and I don't even, again, it's all heavily implied because of that, like Michael 
the special needs local who like came in and he had the the medal the medal and so it, it was just like again all heavily implied so somehow yeah. the whole entire town <laughs> was like you slut yeah. like I because did. he found a medal on the beach. They all put it together that she was having an affair with a British soldier. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I wrote down, though, my favorite quote. Where was it? It was, there's loose women, there's whores, then there's British soldiers' whores. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, no potatoes yeah. for you. <laughs> Just yeah. Exactly. She couldn't totally. buy potatoes. All she wanted was potatoes. Yeah, yeah. And then she had to go because she's the British soldier's whore. So then she leaves and then just everything spirals out of control. This woman is shunned by society. They like, they, they're scratching her. They're hitting her. They chop off all her hair. Um, she looks insane. Um, and then they leave town like for good. They're basically exiled. Seeing all those moments, I thought was like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that she acted those scenes very well. I think there's a lot of brave moments, especially um, with God. If a group of actors had to like pin me down and pretend to hit me, and, oh yeah, that whole like awkward. If like my tits hanging scene. out, like I'm in my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm vulnerable. You know, I yeah, don't yeah. that. And so I think she had a really not a lot of really nice um, work uh, there. For brave sure. moments, um, and. <laughs> I, I I really like this movie. I just wish that it wasn't three and a half hours long. Yeah, three and a half hours. I thought the um, uh, Major Dorian's ending was peculiar. What happened to him? I he can't... blew himself up via suicide. Wait, what? <laughs> At the end, <laughs> when he gives um, Michael his cigarette case, so Michael will show him where the rest of the ammunition is, and he shows him what the... Um, those little uh, the things that ignite the C four are he because Michael's shaking around. That's so he what happened to the him. The big explosion you hear is him killing himself. Oh my! Because <laughs> they ask her at the end. The father says, "Do you think she thinks that he did it on purpose?" And Mitchum says, "I don't know." I don't know how yeah. I missed that. Uh, it was yeah. It was not again. Not a very clear choice. Not a very clear, and they didn't show it. You just felt them in the house feel it. He's like, the walls are shaking all that. That was Dorian dying. I mean... <laughs> it, what a bizarre way to... For a guy who has, like, horrible PTSD and shell shock, you're going to blow yourself up <laughs> because you ruined the marriage? Like, I would have figured that the ruining the marriage part had already hit you by that point. Like, yeah. But I guess hurting her was just too much for him to bear, I guess. Yeah. It was a strange ending for me. So, basically, it's like the... Law, like the things that were clear only had to do with Sarah Miles, but then the things like with Robert Mitchum or with Christopher Jones uh, were super implied and <laughs> yeah, yeah. confusing. Not much said out loud. No. Or to, it was just confusing to me because it, it, this is such a long movie that I... Uh, yeah, it's hard to stay focused. I genuinely, genuinely cannot remember that. I just thought yeah. that the... I just thought well, that uh, Major Dorian, I thought he just went away. No, no. I didn't know he blew there's so many up. long scenes of the scenery, which was gorgeous. Just unbelievable oh, shots yeah. of Ireland. The cinematography is insane. And this whole long thing about Tim O'Leary, uh, the great Irish, um, you know liberator or whatever he was supposed to be and then bringing in the weapons and the towns and all that stuff like all that stuff could have been shrunk down to keep the story moving along much better because at one point you remember they kill a cop in the middle of the movie and then like an hour and a half later they never go back to it (laughs) no it's sort of explain why you're like oh 
Oh, because you were setting up this um, thing yeah. today where you're just going to show out of the blue. Yeah. And, you know, make this guy kidnap a cop and then help <laughs> the, convince the whole town to come pick up some weapons. And you're just like, yeah, went A to Z and then A to J and then A to X. Like, you're just, I got lost a little bit. But granted, maybe if I had known anything about this particular time in history, it would have helped me along a little bit. <laughs> but, Whenever at the end when she had her hair all chopped off because oh, yeah. the entire time Rose, like, hated michael and was yeah. always like repulsed by him at the end whenever she has her hair chopped off and she's like um looking like a little hills have eyes <laughs> was michael supposed to be like not attracted to her and then she realized oh no like i've lost my well that was an interesting moment to me too because you remember the first time he sees dorian he gets off the buzz and he's just staring at him and then some moment he sees something in yeah. uh, his eyes and he just bolts yeah i assume that was the same thing because she hears somebody run up the driveway thinking it's going to be him and it comes down and it's michael instead and i think somehow that disappointment it's supposed to mirror the beginning of the movies. Oh. <laughs> like she's become him. I don't know. Yeah, that, like she has that look in the her The same eye. look that he gave oh. is now she. Like that lost soul that she shell-shocked. And now there's some dead thing inside of her that he no longer sees the beauty. Because he's obsessed with her the whole movie. Right. right. He's trying to get her. That's And she is repulsed. Which is not a very flattering <laughs> character choice either. <laughs> it's like, well, he won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, but her, her big moment... F- for me, was when she has to say goodbye to her father. To say goodbye to the father, the scene where she kind of exposes herself, too, as the the British soldier's uh, affair, like when he's having a second meltdown after he shoots uh, Tim O'Leary in the back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her passion causes her to go to him in his moment of need, thus outing herself. And that it's not a moment that has any words or anything, but um, like you can really see in, in her face, like in that moment, I see a, a wounded woman who's not thinking properly. If she would, she would just keep her eyes on the floor and let you know the soldiers take them away and not say anything about it and keep her life as normal as possible. But she slips and she goes after love. And she does it twice, technically, right? She tells Mitchum, I'm never going to see him again. And then two seconds later, she's in the nightgown running up the hill. Yeah, I know. You know, just saying, that she was can't so silly. stay away. Yeah. That's the yeah. And I thought that was a nice little moment uh, without any sort of words. Because I found, I hate to say it, but I found the major a little... I mean, granted, this is the 70s, uh, so I don't know, showing shell shock is maybe a difficult acting choice in the way they did <laughs> sort of his sort of reactions were almost like yeah. Frankenstein-ish, you know? <laughs> Just like, like he's being tortured like by an alien inside of him or something. Well, uh, but she really filled in that gap nicely. Yeah, yeah. He kind of reminded me. He kept reminding me of somebody too, and I couldn't quite put it. Is it uh, that Josh? Who was in Black Hawk Down? Uh, the, the he was a hot. Oh my god! There I thought Pearl Harbor. I know yeah. Josh. Um, yeah, that guy. Okay, I'm looking it up right now yeah, because I thought the look. exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It was like I thought Josh cat- Hartnett. Yes, yes. I thought the, the same look thing. was perfect, but I didn't think he delivered it quite as an actor. But I he looked exactly where I thought the character should look. Like. If Josh Hartnett was like a creepy Nazi, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah he had <laughs> he that look. look. Like a Nazi, yeah, yeah he had that look. Yeah. Okay, a couple facts about this movie. So while filming in Ireland, they ran out of sunshine. That's weird. Uh, Is that's. It? I mean, <laughs> Irish people—they're like translucent because they don't have any any sun there. Um, oh, and poor Daniel. When we go to the beach, oh, 
it's like I can wear like SPF 30 and like I'm fine. Like I'm a pretty pale person, but yeah. like Daniel, oh my God. Like he does not tan. He burns. Like yeah, people yeah. were leaving. They're like, did he survive Chernobyl? Like, is he good? <laughs> yeah, like, should we call yeah, someone? Yeah. Like, does he need bandages? It looks like a burn victim. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's re- like sometimes like it's his whole back or his shoulders, it just like just explodes into this horrible rash and you're like oh "Oh, you poor sun poisoning Irish bastard (laughs) Um, so because there wasn't a lot of sunshine well, thing in Ireland, they actually shot quite a few of the beach scenes in Nuerdok Beach, located a few miles from Cape Town in the Cape Peninsula of South Africa. And that actually makes sense because there were so many times watching this movie, I thought, wow, they're lucky. Like, it's so clear <laughs> and oh, yeah, sunny yeah. and yeah, it was beautiful. gorgeous. Some of the shots were amazing. Yeah, I was like, wow, because they actually opened, because um, this town was supposed to be something, town of Kenny or something, yeah, but yeah. they opened on uh, the Cliffs of Moher. Oh, yeah. And I was like, "Mm, that's wrong. Um, So reportedly, many people, including Sarah Miles, felt that Trevor Howard rather than John Mills should have been and won uh, Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Christopher Jones and Sarah Miles did not get along. This is the uh, Josh Hartnett Nazi. Uh, Not only was uh, Christopher Jones in mourning for his close friend and possibly ex-girlfriend Sharon Tate, who was murdered by the Manson family during production, but he was also engaged to Olivia Husey, which said engagement was ultimately broken off and was simply not attracted to Sarah Miles. Although you're an actor, fuck off. Exactly. At one point, Miles conspired with Robert Mitchum to drug Jones's breakfast to make him get over his disgust at filming the scene where Rosie and Dorian have a tryst in the forest, a.k.a. they fuck in the meadow. Uh, But Mitchum overdid the dosage, rendering Jones nearly catatonic for filming of the scene and leading him to believe that he was having a nervous breakdown. Um, There's a lawsuit. Wow. Uh, A combination of grief over Sharon Tate's death and his negative experience working on this movie prompted Jones to retire from acting. Oh, that explains that. He only made one other movie, and his performance... uh, was one of the most criticized aspects of the movie. And I want to make something very clear about this movie. This movie was not well-received. Oh, no. Um, got MG- a lot going on. Yeah, MGM was expecting this movie to repeat the huge success of Dr. Zhivago and unveiled it with a suitably lavish publicity campaign and roadshow release unfortunately the movie was roundly savaged by critics who complained that it was too big scale for its modest love story which frankly i kind of agree with and director sir david lean took to this criticism extremely personally and at a meeting in new york city movie critics uh, at a meeting of new york city movie critics he was confronted by pauline kale richard chick I'm going to pronounce that wrong, sorry. And others who reacted quite negatively to the film. It eventually turned a profit but fell short of MGM's hopes of a massive blockbuster. Lean was so hurt by this that he wouldn't make another movie for 14 years. So, I mean... Yeah, they're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but just for yeah. time's sake, we do have to move on. Do you have anything else that you would like to add? Um, I can't imagine how hard it was to lose your virginity while the whole town is outside your window <laughs> having a sing song. Anyway, <sighs> that was so creepy. <laughs> no. I, at first, I assumed that's why Mitchum didn't get off. I was just like, yeah, of course, it's going to be hard to get hard when all that shit's going on. Oh God, yeah, that was also a moment. Yeah, got it. but you can see why they thought this movie was going to be like an epic. Yeah, it's filmed like one. Yeah, yeah. again, it's got all the right shots. It's yeah. got the right people, but. 
Um, not enough of a story there, I don't think. Well, yeah, too much of a film. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not enough story. A lot of yeah, yeah. Beautiful cinematography. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Jane, Jane Alexander in The Great White Hope. So, very quickly, a black uh, champion boxer and his white female companion struggle to survive while the white boxing establishment looks for ways to knock him down. And this is inspired by the story of black boxer Jack Johnson, who was heavyweight champion from 1908 to 1915. James Earl Jones plays Jack Jefferson, always weird seeing him as a love interest. We just watched him in Claudine with Diane Carroll. And it was uh, a very interesting uh, performance because he was supposed to be like the sexy one. I only know him as kind of like Mufasa or as Darth (laughs) Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as old James Earl Jones. Yeah, Yeah, so just a a little little bit of a weird uh, performance. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. if you're a kid, that takes you back a little bit. (laughs) It's like, oh, I've never seen you skinny. I've never seen you young. but we did just talk about um, Diane Carroll and um, uh, James Earl Jones in Claudine. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. It okay. is an underrated movie. Cool. He's a terrific actor. Uh, Jane Alexander, this was, and his, they were, for her, this is her, her film debut. And uh, they were both reprising their Tony Award winning roles for this exact same play. play and they just turned it into a movie. Um, the movie opens on Jane Alexander literally dressed like Jane from Tarzan. She even has the safari hat and everything. Yeah, yeah, true. Even though they're like in downtown New York or something. Yeah, yeah, sure. That was a choice. She's in a boxing gym. No big deal. No big deal. Um, and she is the white girlfriend of James Earl Jones during the early 20th century, which obviously was not socially acceptable and obviously in many uh States was illegal, uh, which we talked about with Ruth Naga in Loving, which was also a very interesting episode. Good performance, boring movie. But uh, that being said, uh, what did you think about this movie? What did you think about the performance? Uh, I, I, the movie felt like a play on film. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Um, but a I, I, I fantastic story. Um, sort of, um, I don't even know how you put it. Um, the journey of a guy... Like the Great White Hope. I mean, just start right there. Such a it sort of explains it doesn't explain the whole thing at the same time. So here is this um, black boxer who's absolutely running through everybody in the boxing world, which was huge at the time. Boxing was the sport to be, um, and so they're looking for a Great White Hope to knock him off. And then the journey that he goes on um, to try it, it's like well, it's, it's very much to me this is where I got lost where I loved it and I hated it at the same time it seems like the story of OJ almost you know okay. what I mean is here is this guy that's who's risen to this uh, high level like um, like he's a well known name champion. as an African man in a time where they're doing nothing but trying to keep these people down you know but because of his talent in, in the sport that's so beloved he's become a star of sorts you know what I mean so in his mind um, he has earned the right to date whoever he wants. <laughs> he has chosen this beautiful woman, Jane Alexander, uh, and he wants to just do whatever he wants in spite of that, which is the, uh, I believe James Earl Jones, so that this is a story of hubris. You know, this is a man that is almost the cause of his own demise, you know, mm-hmm. because he can't, I don't even know what the word to put on it is. Um, but as far as her performance goes, I thought it was... Um, almost non-existent until (laughs) the last 30 minutes of the film. 100%. And then she turns it right on. You know, I mean, the whole thing, the breakdown, uh, spoiler, the ending for her character is all very well done, all very good, but it almost seems after the fact. Yes. um, Because he's gone on. It's 
it's almost just like a symptom of his choices and what he's done to himself and his refusal to, uh, you know, walk in a man's footsteps or take a dive or whatever you want to say, that he's in essentially, um, you know, he wants to put it on the society is killing the relationship, but in, in reality, it's him. He's doing it because... She well, just wants to love, and he just wants to make some point, I guess, <laughs> that he can't make. I mean, the thing that I did like about the way that uh, he didn't like the way that black people saw him as like a symbol of hope. Right. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't about that kind of representation. It was like he wanted to be seen as this champion boxer. He didn't want to be seen as like a black boxer. It's yeah, sort of exactly. the same thing where a lot of comedians are like, I'm not a a gay comedian. Yeah, I'm comedian. a comedian who's exactly. gay. And it's like, fuck off with that shit. It's like, what does that fucking mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I but like, cool. Like, yeah. I guess you've got it figured out. But, um, you know, I, I did enjoy the complexity of his character in those moments. I thought that James Earl Jones really had the meteor role. Of course. Obviously. Yes, yeah. Um, this is his, I think, first and only nomination. Um, and which is sad because he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, yeah, but her lead. performance really, <clears throat> like you're saying, until like the last 30 minutes of the movie, is her just constantly defending the relationship against both black and white people. Mm-hmm. And um, it did become a little repetitive, but I mean, I guess that would make sense for her character yes, yeah, yeah. to do that, because I imagine she would have to deal with that all, all the time. time. And that's kind of the thing. She's just shuffling between Bachman James and hotels because she can't yep. be seen and all this. Yep. No. And so... Um, her performance very much heavily relies on that. Um, but again, talking about whenever we were mentioning Sarah Miles and Ryan's daughter, it's like you could have had more moments that I thought didn't happen. For example, you find out that um, she had an abortion. Yeah. And I would have liked to have seen that emotional journey. Sure. Yeah, that's um, a very you know, juicy bit of information yeah. that I just kind of skipped over you. Um, she follows him into the slums. What country were they in? Mexico, I believe. I think it yeah. was. Okay, so yeah, I was. They mentioned I, Mexico. I didn't know if they were in Turkey because at one point they were, and then <laughs> they were suddenly in like these like cement floors with hay, yeah. and I was like, "Where are we?" But then this guy came in, and like he was Spanish. So then I was like, "Are they in Mexico?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. Especially I the last stop on the train. You know? Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't figure that one out. But she follows him basically into the slums. He's continuing. continuing to be an asshole and when she finally confronts him it's that satisfying moment that you wanted from her oh yes and she delivers it because she's like begging him to love her yeah yeah this is yeah, they've completely gotten away from what the point was. Yeah, <laughs> presumably. Anyway. Yeah, is the the how he defends her in the very beginning of the movie about the reporters and like the the manager coach is trying to get, shoo her off, so you know don't make things more complicated. Blah blah blah. And he gives a wonderful sort of speech about why she has the right to be there and why he wants her to be seen. And then yeah, that guy is completely gone by the end of the movie. And I don't think his character. Uh, understands what he's doing and, yeah. and, and it's killing her. Well, she did kind of seem like a bit of an accessory for the first like half, like mm-hmm. two thirds of the movie. Um, he eventually becomes abusive, but she still wants to be with him and the way that she's like pleading for his love. Um, she eventually kills herself in the most fucked up way. She like jumps down a well, yes, yes. joins the girl from the ring, and she, yeah, yeah. they oh, drudge yeah. her out. And I'm like, oh, it's hard to find good ways to kill yourself back yeah. then. You know, the <laughs> options are limited. Not like there's a 30 story building you can drive yeah. yourself. Out of. <laughs> Go into a well. Yeah, yeah. Walking into the ocean is harder than you think. Yeah, <laughs> but 
I mean, um, when she had her big moments, it was everything that Jane Alexander can deliver. Um, I have seen her in so many films like Kramer versus Kramer. I've seen her in Testament. Wait, was it Testament that she was in? It's, it is so bad it's good. It's this like made for TV movie where there's like this nuclear holocaust and she is like living through the fallout and um it was like this made for tv movie that was directed by uh oh god one of those things where she's the only woman who can breathe (laughs) yeah it was but uh it was called testament yeah okay uh oh my god it's it's so bad it's good i love those movies. like you got anyway it's a made for tv movie that got nominated for an oscar but anyway I, I I'm very familiar with Jane Alexander, and I and she's such a capable actress. Okay. And um, I just wish that they maybe gave her a few more of those moments. Yeah. But she did not disappoint no. when she did have to deliver. You can see the hours of performances she had done this role so many times before. Oh yeah, There's, yeah, totally. She just got right to that part. No, no problem whatsoever. No build up need because it is again. It's not a long scene where she kind of blows up on him. Like yeah. And you could see that pent up tension just burst out of her and, and not look forced at all. And very, again, naturalistic. And too, like you said, this is sort of a different time in acting uh, where they're kind of shifting from an, an outer performance to an inner performance, mm-hmm. right? Instead of like back in the days, it used to be like putting on a costume and letting the character come out. And then, you know, Stan Sklodsky and Brando and all these guys are all about, no, you got to find it internally and then try and wear it on your sleeve. You know, that you can see that she's more. Of that kind of actor. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a time where, you know, a lot of people are doing, you know, <laughs> the very Shakespearean type, staring up always and just crying and screaming. And Did like, you have to do that whenever you were um, in acting school? Like, did you have to do all those big dramatic, like, Shakespearean? I, well, yeah. Every semester or every year started with, like, a small little Shakespeare festival we'd have to do. <laughs> so we had to learn the, the basics first. But Do you like Shakespeare? I, I don't mind Shakespeare. I, I don't, honestly. He was a very good writer, and um, I, I enjoy that he had his own form and all that stuff. But there are many other classics which I did not enjoy as much. Okay. Like, I couldn't connect with them on the same level, you know. Know, sure. like the cherry orchard and things like that eugenie okay. and esco which is weird dark like just sort of you can see almost like these conversations um especially in these old films that we're watching in the 20s and stuff like that where they're they just go on these long sort of things about love and the purpose of soul and all this you're just like oh uh, dear god <laughs> uh, thank god we don't talk like this anymore we have books and we have like movies and things that we can Discuss it was just yeah, it's so overdrawn and just like I, I prefer much more modern stuff, you know. It's Fair. It connects. I mean, well, I mean, doing this podcast, but same girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But just why I wanted to challenge myself with these, and and I could find moments that I related to in all these films for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, this was Jane Alexander's first movie, and Muhammad Ali was a visitor to the set uh, during production, and he assisted unofficially with the boxing choreography. Wow, very cool. Uh, but just for time's sake, I think that we should just move on to yeah. our winner. Unless there's something else that you would like to add to Jane Alexander's performance? No, yeah, just. Great stuff. Just not enough. Give me more. I 100% agree with you. Okay. Let's talk about Glenda Jackson in Women in Love. I am very curious what your thoughts are going to be on this one very quickly. So two best friends fall in love with a pair of women, but the relationships soon go in very different directions. Very different directions. You might even say three or four different directions. Yeah, it's it's a very... More than two relationships going on in this. This was one of those movies, again, uh, where we were talking about a diary of a mad housewife where tonally... 
I couldn't figure out if it was a comedy or if it was a drama or if it was camp or if it was social commentary or if it was everything. I found out it was based on a book, so it's probably more of a yeah, drama. Definitely. Um, it, this was nominated for a lot of Oscars. Mm-hmm. This was a very controversial movie at the time. It was yeah. banned in so many different countries. Um, and I had a hard time understanding what the movie was about for almost 45 minutes um, because at first it seemed like um, Glenda Jackson and uh, Lenny Linden, her sister Ursula, so mm. her name was uh, Gudrun <laughs> and Ursula. So Gudrun is Glenda. Yeah. So Gudrun and Ursula. <laughs> just they, rolls off the tongue. Just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. She's much more attractive than it sounds. Trust yeah. Me. Well, I thought, oh, it's like a wedding crashers thing. Yeah, it kind of starts like that. But then there's like all of this weird like sexual innuendo. I can't figure out why, um, you know, Glenda Jackson is like part of this very high society um, circle Mm -hmm. because these people are extremely rich and Mm -hmm. Glenda and um, Ursula are not. It seems. And then uh, Alan Bates and Oliver Reed playing Rupert and Gerald. Uh, okay, so Rupert is like in love with Gerald, like emotionally, but like Gerald's not in love with Rupert, but he is as a friend. And then they yeah. really expand on that a lot by like literally naked wrestling because yeah. that's like a metaphor, maybe for sexual tension. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, it was um, uh, very confusing because uh, Rupert was like, Oh, like I know that you love Gudrun, but like I want, but you love me. And then like Gerald was like, I don't love you. You're, I don't understand this love between men that you speak of. And then Gudrun in the end meets this like gay artist who believes that brutality is necessary to create art. And then she becomes really hostile towards. Gerald. Yes. And then he like walks into the snow and I guess dies. Lets himself freeze to death. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I was so confused during this movie. I did not understand anybody's story. I did not understand any arcs. I did not understand (laughs) why we were here or why we were there. I did not understand this movie. And I'm going to go so far to say, I don't understand how Glenda Jackson was nominated for and won an Oscar for this extremely yeah. confusing <laughs> f- fucking yeah. movie. I'm, I'm putting it out there. It's a ton to unpack. Well, first it's like, yeah, it's a, what, a D.H. Lawrence book from the 20s okay. <laughs> set in, I guess, the it, was, it was based in the 20s as it well. It was based in the 20s? Okay, yeah. the fashion was a little off. I thought it was a little later than that. Very, very like 60s, yeah. very yeah, 70s. Yeah, it had a different yeah, later yeah, yeah. vibe. So I thought maybe that's why it was controversial because it has very much a lot of progressive ideas in it, and they, they're constantly going on and on about the nature of love. And I, I, I think the point of the whole film is kind of to yeah. say that there are so many. There's not right. one kind of love, right? That's the whole idea. Is yeah. like even though these sisters are very alike and get along like, um, you know, uh, like black and white, they they have completely different experiences with brothers, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, where one is seemingly in love with the younger sister, but is also very bi, I assume? Cause it's not that he, I mean, he does want Gerard, but he, he, he very clearly states that he, he thinks there's room for two kinds of love. Right. Right? You should have a man, and you should have a woman. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess he's bi. Yeah, I think that's, I, I assume this is why it's getting banned in countries, and then... 
I think the story was <laughs> Gudrun or Gudrun, however you say. I can't help but think of Steve Carell's little character from the Minions um, because he's Gru or something like that. Anyways, but he was, um, he was creepy. Yeah, 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 he was creepy. That she starts out, you know, because it's all about them. Oh, we just want to go watch this neighbor get married. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they get into this conversation about marriage, and, and I guess that her journey is that she thought marriage was one thing and decided that oh no, it's it can be whatever you make it out to be, and then decides that she doesn't want any of that, but misleads Gerard. Like, I think Gerard, uh, around the halfway point, is under the understanding that he is sort of, is married, even though they haven't officially done it, but because they kissed, and they they made love when his dad died. So, obviously now, we are one under God, and then not until they get to the Alps, and she accidentally runs into a gay sculptor who teaches her that, oh, yeah, love can be gross and disgusting (laughs) and painful. She becomes obsessed with this idea. Again, it's another thing where it turns into camp. Oh, well, the snowball fight? You want to talk about camp? When they have the snowball fight, and they're literally picking up boulders of snow and smashing each other with them? I'm making out with the snow in between. I know, but also... Oh, uh, my God. What's-her-face? Ali McGraw uh, and uh, Ryan O'Neill also had, like, a making out with snow. I thought that was kind of funny. But, okay, but this movie was... I'm going to assume groundbreaking for the time because they're navigating through conversations of sexuality which like according to like you know the the ethics and like none of this would have happened morality so it's like they're trying to navigate it in like an artistic way so this subject matter was probably very groundbreaking this is also and the women didn't have this amount of choice before I think that's what makes it so controversial they were now for the first time in their lives people saying no I don't want to be married yeah (laughs) I I want to be a lesbian I want to be single the rest of my life I want to I don't want to have kids I do want to have kids right The, uh, the idea of choice for one just kind of goes the typical route and the other takes a complete left turn. I think you would have to watch this as like a a moment in time to appreciate the impact that it had yeah. because this okay so Glenda Jackson was actually the first actress to win an Oscar for a role that included nude scenes. Oh, so this is 1971 the ceremony yeah. year that she won for. So like that's not really that long ago, no, you know. Really, no. So it's like I can understand why this movie would have been so groundbreaking yeah. Yeah. and like wow. But when we socially and culturally have come so much farther, yeah, yeah. when you watch it now, the way that they choose to try to navigate those hurdles of like morality clauses and censorship, it just comes off as kind of like. Um, What's the word that I would say? It comes off as almost... Um, it's a little eyes wide shut for me. Oh, yeah. that's really funny that you said that <laughs> okay, because yeah. I literally wrote right here. I said, "Is this turning into an eyes wide shot yes, party?" But no, I can't put a term on for that. It comes, it off, but it almost comes off like sort of tone deaf. But it's because it's like there because people aren't educated with that kind of stuff yet, no, historically yeah, yeah. speaking. So yeah. when you're watching it, you're like, "Okay, we've come so much farther that now that what you guys are kind of talking about, it almost seems so like, oh, that's adorable that that's what you guys thought yeah, like yeah. bisexuality was or." I, I don't know. It just seems a yeah, little yeah. naive or something. But obviously it was I guess. new. Well, I think it's, it's again, the naivety it's is the part time. of it. Because yeah. the naivety are the people that are stuck in the old ways. You know, yeah. like the fact that you think that you have to crawl up the Swiss Alps and bury yourself in the snow and die because you had... <laughs> Because your girlfriend turns out to be a bit of a freak in the sack. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, that's, that's a bit much. You yeah. Know I mean? But at the same time, like I understand what you mean by 
getting lost a lot in this film, like the the drowning of the young couple, um, the Crikes, the ones they went to see the wedding of in the first place. So that was supposed to be a metaphor for like the typical couple. I that that I guess yeah that could be a, the death of normal relationship is literally at the bottom of the pond. No, yeah, okay. that's what that's what I thought that was. Yeah, no, that was a weird scene too. Just how quickly they gave up on him too. I'm like, no, no, it's too late for them now. <laughs> Just like, but they're right there. You can't see. I'm like, it's it's a small pond. I mean, okay, so a couple facts. So. Oliver Reed and Sir Alan Bates were initially apprehensive about filming the legendary nude wrestling scene due to insecurity over who might have the largest quote-unquote member. Um, it, yeah. Who was it? It's it, hard to see, really. The, it was, yeah. it was Oliver camera. Reed. Don't worry, I checked. I checked. <laughs> you really have to pause and zoom. Uh, but to prepare, both consumed a bottle of vodka each and subsequently realized that there was little difference between the two. Filming continued with relative ease. We have a bottle of vodka. I can't wait for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Blood starts flowing. I get it. <laughs> Just give it a couple tugs, you'll be fine. So this movie considered, uh, along with uh, Haskell Wexler's Medium Cool in 1969, to be amongst the first mainstream movies to feature <laughs> male frontal nudity. Fuck yeah. Um, and Shirley MacLaine was actually set to play the role of Ursula, but she backed out due to the... Wrestling scene. Yeah. She can't be in that. Yeah. That would be an interesting lollipop or whatever. Yeah. That would be an interesting choice. Overall, I said about this movie, um, I said, I wrote down, I feel like this movie is a metaphor for something and I'm not understanding what that is. And I think what it's supposed to be is like you were saying, it's like, there's so many different types of love. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that they did it in an effective way that that, yeah. that I found effective. Yeah, that might have been relatable at the time while you were going yeah, through it right. in the 70s and all the confusion that went along with you know, what you were supposed to be and what the new roles were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, must, it might have been more impactful there. But, yeah, for someone watching it, but now... I 50 years like, later, it it didn't quite land the way it, I, I'm assuming it did then. <laughs> well, exactly. And and it's like, I understand that historically speaking, this probably was more significant for the time. Yes. It's just that I feel like a lot of these Oscar nominations and win, uh, it's, it's based on political. the controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the context and like that she's pushing an envelope there. I mean, when right. you actually break down her character, when you think about where it starts or where it ends and... Uh, the journey she goes on, like, that is a bit of a revolutionary character. You've never really seen anything like that on film. Where right. She starts off fairly normal, then just kind of turns into something completely different and just mean and cold and possibly asexual. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just, and yeah, that very odd ending cold ending to the, it. Yeah, yeah. oh it was like where he's like i believe that you can love uh another man yeah. uh and also be in love with your wife and then she was like you nope. can't have that love because it's impossible and yeah. then he's like i don't believe that and then it's like dun, 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 yeah, and that, then credits and then just start peeling back yeah <laughs> awkward uh, it, it, it was super weird, but I mean, did, did you think maybe there was like a, the big like Oscar moment in this movie for her? Like, what would you say? I guess if I had to narrow it down to the one scene, it would probably be the one where she's trying to explain to them where she essentially dumps him. Right. Uh, it explains, like, just because we had sex doesn't mean that I'm yours forever. That I did it because you were in time of need and I was doing it to basically. But even then, it's not the most challenging scene i would think for her uh, you really have to look at 
at it from uh, the the full scope of it. But even yeah. then, it's not the most moving no. story. It's not the most. Like I didn't again. I couldn't relate to the character as much as I wanted to because she was she was very dynamic and oh she's beautiful an amazing and, yeah yeah and she, everything seemed very easy to her and but yeah as far as her like what I'm supposed to take away from this I I, I was hard to hard pressed to put my finger on it. Well, she was amazing in Mary Queen of Scots. She was a amazing in Sunday Bloody Sunday, one of the worst movies ever, but like great performance. Yeah. But like. I, I'm familiar with Glenda Jackson and how good she is so I was coming into this with like really high expectations yeah, and yeah. not to say that she didn't necessarily deliver but I would just say I was expecting more yeah, and what I saw was mostly confusing yeah 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 and I wasn't maybe I'm being biased because I was expecting so much yeah, from I guess. it yeah yeah I yeah. don't know it just I found this movie to be kind of disappointing minus the like yeah, naked yeah. men wrestling scenes yeah sure the, the movie was a bit disappointing and I don't think that she stood out much more than any of her colleagues you know i mean i thought her sister also had a very good performance you know i thought gerard for all these complicated issues and stuff but that guy did a pretty good job too like that's an impossible role to sort of come to grips with like how do you make choices with that guy because i don't know where he's at at any given moment in that movie like um so in a, in a way, he was great because I was just as lost as he was in this movie, than yeah. his character. So I was really, really more on board with him than anybody. And I did sort of pity Rupert because it was so easy to see what Rupert's problem was I right know. from the beginning. Oh. Yeah, and it was really brutal when he kind of got dumped there at the right as uh, they're leaving the Alps there. It's just like, uh, uh, he just has to. And he can't talk to anybody about him. No. <laughs> Nobody knows what gay is. No. Like, Good luck talking to your wife about that, bro. I don't think. Yeah. But she took it like a champ, too. You're like, nope. She was quite cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, okay. Yeah. Well, I think I think, I think think we've we've said it all. I think yeah. we've said our piece about this very interesting yeah. movie. Um, if anybody listening, it, w- without even necessarily having to see the movie, I think if you could just YouTube the naked man wrestling scene. Yeah. That's, that's for me. pretty much the movie. Yeah, that's pretty much the, that was the movie for me. <laughs> well, it's called Women in Love, and that's the most memorable <laughs> part of it is two men wrestling <laughs> in a beautiful, what, study or something? The yeah. reading room? Like, yeah, somebody know. where, like, somebody would be murdered in Clue. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Oh, he got murdered with the pipe, all right. Yeah. Oh, he <laughs> did. Um, okay, well, you are my guest of honor, so I think it's okay. time for us to pick who we think the Oscar should have gone to. So, Brian Hatt, please reveal who you think should have won. Well, and, and I... I have to say, this was one of the most <laughs> difficult choices I've made, and what this it's is my third time one. here or something. It's a tricky one. But going back, and I, you know, because I watched this movie second, and at the time I probably would have said no, not her. <laughs> but but after watching overall, it all, I think the Oscar Oscar should go to. Sarah Miles for Ryan's daughter because um, despite all the movie's problems, it's a very complete performance beginning to end. She does have uh, a great degree of difficulty. Remember, I always like to think of acting like diving. It's not just the performance you give, but the level of difficulty of which the part contains. And this certainly is a tough movie to anchor down. You know? <laughs> this, there's yeah. a lot. She disappears for a good hour in this movie. Yeah. While Maybe two. Liberation <laughs> goes on. Stuff. But she somehow always brings it back together. She's always grounded. And um, again, just gives a lovely performance in, in, a, in just a very difficult film all around. Uh, okay, I love that. Yeah. And uh, okay, I'm going to go ahead. So um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to... Sarah 
Sarah Miles for Ryan's daughter. Um, I actually did enjoy Ryan's daughter, as I said a thousand times already. It's just it was a little too long, but the cinematography was gorgeous. Sarah Miles's character Rose felt like the only character in this bunch that was like had a full story from beginning to end, and I also understood the character's motivation from beginning to end. From yeah. beginning to <laughs> yeah. end. It was honestly her story. It Not was these her other people story. can say that. Yeah. Um, you know, some of these other performances were kind of insane. I think mm-hmm. maybe my second would be Ali McGraw for Love Story. It's just she was missing those big moments that I really wanted from her. Um, and same thing with Jane Alexander. I'm not trying to be shady here. I just don't really understand how uh, watching the women in love through the lens of 2022, how Glenda Jackson was nominated for and won this Oscar. She didn't win anything leading up to it. And she even said herself that she never believed that she, she deserved it. Deserved yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, mm, fair. Uh, but you know what? Whatever. Like, mm-hmm. It it's done, but the, my yeah. personal opinion is I just think that Sarah Miles and Ryan's daughter, it was a more enjoyable movie. Um, it was a more enjoyable performance, and I think that she delivered exactly what she was supposed to. And I had sympathy for her character the whole time, even though oh, she's the one having an affair. Yeah, she's a whore. She's a whore. <laughs> no, she's an English soldier's yeah. whore. Uh, yeah, the worst um, kind. No potatoes for you. <laughs> so boss, never. So you know, I I thought that was I thought that was uh, it was great, and I'm I'm gonna give it to Sarah Sarah Miles. Um, okay, well, thank you so much, Brian Hat, for being a guest on Best Actress again. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Brian with a Y underscore Hat with two t's uh and tiktoks i'm brian hack comedian and uh, i left twitter because elon musk is in charge <laughs> i don't think you can throw any mud on me for that <laughs> so i mean uh yeah okay uh, please uh, like me follow subscribe all that good stuff love it okay well thank you guys did you enjoy the show want to hear more episodes visit patreon.com slash best actress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad free with your subscription Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.